Hope you have your Bibles or your devices. Turn to uh, Matthew 5. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. It's found there in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. So you can flip there and actually we'll, we'll be in several places in Scripture this morning. Uh, today we, we close out the series that we've been in on, on the Beatitudes of Jesus, the blessings that Jesus spoke uh, over his disciples and, and through them to the crowds that had gathered. Uh, we've, we've called the series Basic Retraining uh, partially because um, Jesus' words were kind of used to encourage us along our journey towards holiness. And in many cases, the words that, that Jesus speaks to us are very challenging to us, and they go against what the world might tell us, and so we have to evaluate what we are brought up with, what we are trained up in, what we are inundated in culture. We have, we have to take that understanding of, of life, and we have to match it up to the things that Jesus said are the, the things that God blesses in his kingdom. And so, in many cases, not all, but, but most, for me, if I'm being honest, I have, to, I have to say, oh, I think this way, but Jesus is saying, well, the blessing in God's kingdom looks more like this, and so that, that's where Scripture speaks to us and, and helps us uh, adopt things into our life, helps change our thinking in, in certain things, and so uh, that's part of the basic retraining process, if you will. Uh, the good news in all of this is that Jesus meets us right where we are. Uh, he doesn't stay in some distant, far-off place. Jesus came to earth to interact with us. So, so Jesus is very near to us. He, he, he comes to us and meets us right where we are. And so then, he, so then he takes what we have, the broken bits and pieces of our lives, and he takes them, and, and he blesses them. And, and as he blesses them, he gives them back to us. And we know that because he is with us, he is there to help us move along in, a, in our journey towards holiness. He, he, in, he encourage us, encourages us along the journey, and he is right there to help us deepen our faith. You get an amen for that one? Absolutely. The text we're in this morning, we are uh, in chapter 5, verse 9. The text is simply, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I don't know if you are different than I am. But on occasion, I've been the opposite of being a peacemaker. Are you different? Have you ever been in an argument? Have you ever been in a little tussle or a fight? Um, I grew up playing hockey, so peacemaking and hockey, they're just kind of, <laughs> they're diametrically opposed to each other. So um, th there have been times in my life where I've, you know, we, 
either been in a sport or on the playground or had a disagreement with somebody and, and um, well, it's just come out the other, the opposite end of peacemaking or, you know, the, the, the love to get in a good, well, if you're using politically correct terminology, a good debate. Uh, it's called an argument. Um, and sometimes the words that we use, we banter back and forth and, and we, we call it and we label it all in good fun, but sometimes it just degenerates into anything but peacemaking. Uh, why does it seem that peace is hard to come by? I mean, I think, I think down deep we all like peace. I think we all want peace, but peace itself is it's fairly elusive. Um, there's a couple definitions of peace. One of the definitions of peace is, uh, is a freedom from disturbance. Peace is quiet. It's tranquil. I, I like me some peace and quiet on occasion, right? What do you think of when you hear the word peace? I know some people, when they hear the word peace, what immediately jumps into their mind is, a bunch of hippies running around with tie-dyed shirts, you know, with the peace symbol on the front, or, you know, driving in one of those VW Vanigans. Some people think about, you know, holding hands. Some people think about um, a serene kind of a landscape with a, with a river kind of flowing through it and the gentle breeze, and, and it's just peaceful and tranquil. Peace and quiet, though, is, depending on where you're at, it's kind of elusive, Peace is also defined, there's another definition of peace, and, and that would be a freedom from conflict, freedom from war, or a ceasing of wars, a, um, an ending to violence. That's another way that you can define peace. No more fighting, no more warring. It doesn't mean that the problems are always solved, but they were, they're just put on hold, they're put on the, the back burner for a while. You know, sometimes this kind of peace is... Well, it's established just by sheer brute force, beating people into submission, powering up with physical size, um, using strength to keep other people at bay, to keep them in check, and so we would use our size and our strength as a deterrent so other people don't get out of line. And so somehow we, we think that that's one way to, to keep the peace. Um, the, in the Old West... Starting in about the 18, late 1860s, early 1870s, um, the gun manufacturer Colt uh, produced a pistol called the Colt 45. You know what it was called? The Peacemaker. <laughs> I didn't want to call, I actually wanted to call the sermon Colt 45 Christianity, but I thought that nah, might be pressing the boundaries just a bit. Because <laughs> that's kind of going in the opposite direction that, that I think maybe Jesus is, is taking us. But in the Old West, um, and even into today, if you had guns, then you could keep people at bay, and, and you could maintain control and peace through power and size and, and weaponry and so forth. Uh, you know, if we punch somebody hard enough, then likely they're just going to back down. That's a definition of peace that is, that is out there. Uh, you might call that, though, instead of peacemaking, that, that may be classified more as peacekeeping, maintaining control without really addressing the root cause of why people would be in conflict anyway. 
Peace, though, as a word, if you just say, everybody say peace. Peace. It's one of those words that it just evokes images of, of good inside us. I mean, who doesn't want their life to be peaceful? Not many people would say that they really, truly long for chaos or long for violence over peace. Yet peace, if we think about it, it's, it's kind of an elusive concept. Uh, our world says that we need to pick a side. We have to be for or we have to be against something. We have to pick this or we have to pick that. And if we choose this over that, then the world says, then you are probably going to be in conflict of some sort with the person who chose the other. It, we're losing the ability to have meaningful dialogue and relationship with people who make different choices than we do. And it's putting us in conflict with one another. It's, um, it's heightening uh, arguments. It's, it is... Uh, you know, when you try and, and discuss something with a person who's made a different choice, our world is saying you got to stay split apart. You got to choose this or you got to choose that. And, and if you, when you, once you make your choice, then, then there's a, a dividing line. And it's really hard then to discuss with somebody on the other side of the, the line. Um, I, I, it saddens me. I, I love Facebook. I like Twitter, Instagram, you know, those social media outlets. And social media is here to stay for a while, and so if you're not interacting with it, um, you may want to get involved a little bit. It's a way that connects people socially, sometimes anti-socially, though. And that's what saddens me a little bit, is it, you read somebody who posts something, uh, their opinion or a belief, and, and then you kind of scroll down and you read comments... And it saddens me that we think that we have to launch word missiles at people who make a comment because we're taking some moral high ground. And, and you know, from the comfort uh, and convenience of my living room, I can just pick somebody apart and tear them down with words. That, that bothers me a bit. If you go to news sources online, you scroll down at the bottom of the, the news columns, and there's places for comments and, and the wars that start between people, it's, it really is a, it's really a telltale sign of how our culture is looking at choosing this or choosing that. And so if, if, uh, if I could leave one word of advice with you this morning, if you're interacting with social media, don't stoop to that level. That's just silly. Um, if you really disagree with somebody and there's somebody who's on your friend list, why don't you pick up the phone? and give them a call and say, hey, you know what? You mentioned something on Facebook and it kind of bothered me a little bit. I was wondering if we could talk about it. That would be a better way of handling it than you know, typing some nasty response and then hitting send. Because once you hit send, it's a permanent record. You're on the books for saying that. So take a little bit of time to chill out, to cool down a little bit before you hit send. I mean, we're finishing up campaign season, right? What an opportunity that we have every couple years to see the ugly side of people, right? Uh, one of my friends back east, he, uh, 
he took a picture. He laid out all of the campaign mailers, the political advertisements and so forth. He took all of them from one day uh, in the mail, and he laid them out on his table, and he took a picture of it, and he posted it. And you could kind of zoom in and see, and I think all of them, except one, maybe two, were advertisements on why you shouldn't vote for the other person instead of why you should vote for this particular candidate. Um, the print and all of the expense was used to diminish somebody else instead of build their own case. It's, it's another way that we see this division between this and that, is that we, we think that to elevate ourselves, we have to diminish the other person. And so we, we start to see this concept of peace dissolving before our eyes. Jesus says, though, blessed are the peacemakers. We see pockets of peace, yes, um, but we really live in a world that's full of of violence, it's full of conflict and chaos and discord. Uh, the Jewish people that Jesus was talking to when, when He gave this Sermon on the Mount, well, well, they had been conquered many times throughout the years. The first it was the Assyrians, and then there's the Babylonians and the Persians and, and the Romans, and um, the people that, the, the specific people that Jesus pronounced these blessings over lived in an occupied territory. The Romans had come in, and, and uh, Israel was under Roman rule. There really were Roman soldiers everywhere. I mean, they really controlled the daily activity in the life of the people of Israel, um, and they weren't, they weren't really known as being warm and friendly and gracious and loving to the people. No, they, they ruled with an iron fist and a really sharp sword. Um, fear was really at play here. They, they played on the fears of the people to keep order. If they're afraid of us, then they won't act up and, and act out, and we will be able to maintain uh, peace this way. Um, the, the Roman soldiers were known to force Jews to carry their heavy packs for a certain distance. Um, they, they were the ones who controlled the economy. They were the ones who collected the taxes, and oftentimes they collected more than the people would be responsible for. But, hey, what are you going to do about it when, when you got soldiers surrounding you? And, okay, you can have it. Um, they controlled the legal system. They, these, were, these Romans were not really well loved in Israel. Uh, the Roman emperors, uh, this is kind of the irony of, of Jesus' beatitude here. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called uh, children of God uh, or sons of God. And the emperors often referred to themselves as peacemakers and as sons of God. And Jesus has just pronounced a blessing over peacemakers and, and, and children of God. And, and the, the emperors uh, of Rome in particular thought that they were peacemakers because at that time there was what's called the Pax Romana, which is the peace that Rome brought. And so through military uh, conquest and strength, Rome had really created um, peace, if you want to call it that, if you will, 
in their empire. Um, they, had, they had really put an end to small wars, to these little skirmishes between the states within the, the Roman Empire. Uh, they had really taken care of all of the piracy and the pirates that were uh, in the Mediterranean and, and taking control of ships and so forth. Um, they had also essentially eliminated all of the bandits on land so you could travel in relative safety. Um, people were scared of the Romans, and so there was a certain peace, if you will, that had come over the land, and the emperors took responsibility for that, and they said, we are the peacemakers. But peace in the, in the Hebrew sense, uh, which aims more at the welfare of, of all, um, it's not something that could be established by the Roman legions. The, the, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. You've probably heard that uh, word before. Peace is shalom. It's a, it's a very rich word in the Hebrew language. Uh, it, it has so many different dimensions. It, you could say it's uh, harmony. You could say it's uh, beauty. You could say it's uh, cooperation. You say it's unity. It's, it's virtue. It's, it's safety. It's security. It's justice. It, it's really a wholeness. It's a, it's a well-being of the entire person. It paints a picture of what the world should look like. People living in harmony with God and with each other. It's just how God had intended it, and that's how God had created it to be. That's, that's kind of the shape and the dimension of this word for peace. Uh, shalom, it was used to say hello. Shalom was also used to say goodbye. So it was... Uh, it was the greeting that you gave to people when, when you came into contact with them, and it's what you sent them along their way with. So it's kind of like shalom out, right? As, you, as it were in the common vernacular. Um, we, on the other hand, when you think about peace, the way we've kind of described it, in our language, peace, we, we see it as an absence of something that something is missing. My peace and quiet is gone. The peace is gone because people are fighting with one another. So in, in one essence, we look at the word, we think about the word peace, and, and we think that something is, is missing. The Hebrew meaning of the word is completely opposite. The, the Hebrew meaning of the word shalom, peace, is its fullness. It's being filled up with something. Um, it's, it's fullness of everything that it takes for a person's highest good. It means being whole or complete. It means being fulfilled. So when you say shalom to somebody, you're, you are saying, I want you to be filled with goodness. Uh, I want you to be completed as you go. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Uh, Jesus does not say, blessed are those who love peace. Jesus does not say, blessed are those who have peace. He doesn't even say, blessed are those who prefer peace, uh, or wish for peace, or dream about peace. He doesn't even bless people who enjoy the benefits of peace. 
He's not even blessing people who are peaceful. What he said was, blessed are the peacemakers. There's an active component to the people that Jesus is blessing here. He says, blessed are those who are doers of peace. To do peace, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of effort. It's a tireless task, and there's endless opportunity to be a peacemaker. He says that those people who go out and work at making peace happen are the ones who are blessed. Jesus blesses the people who go out and build into other people this idea of wellness, this idea of well-being, this idea of shalom. He blesses the people who go out and help people experience shalom. These are the people who that they see turmoil at work, and they, they step in and they try to be the one who reconciles and brings people together. They're the ones in, in the church who go to people and, and try and build this, this health, this idea, this concept of fullness and wholeness, shalom, into people who may be struggling with something. Peacemakers are the ones who, who they just, they're, they're shalom lovers, and so at, in their homes, if there's any tension and discord, they're the ones who try and make it better. In, in our house, um, we, we refer to Brian, my son, as the cream filling. He's the one that if there's discord between parties in the household, he's the one that tries to make it better. And a be friend to both sides, and so that there's reconciliation and there's shalom in the house. Brian's the cream filling. Uh, over the years, I've fielded lots of calls from people who are uh, upset with another person. It could be a spouse, it could be a coworker, it could be their kids, it could be somebody else at church. Um, Somehow, peace has been broken in their relationships, and maybe angry words were exchanged, or gossip has happened, or, um, you know, somebody cheated them, or cheated on them, or something disturbed the peace in their life and in, in their particular relationship, and they're, they're calling, and, and they want to know, what's my responsibility? That's the question. What, what responsibility do I have in being one who is part of the reconciliation process? Uh, I think many of them want me to tell them that it's okay if they sit back, take a step back, take a deep breath, calm down and relax, and you just wait until the other person comes asking for forgiveness. I think people want to hear the answer that Yes, it's okay, you can wait until they come crawling and groveling back to you, and then you can decide. I think that's, I hear that in, in a lot of people. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the ones who, instead of taking a step back, they take a step forward. 
See, retaliation is not an option. Being a peacemaker is, but retaliating is not. If you think back to the, um, I think it was Fiddler on the Roof, Tevya, and that small Jewish community, they were getting kicked they were getting kicked out of their land, and, and one, one of the characters uh, said, hey, we should fight back and defend ourselves. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And Tevia says something like, yeah, if we did that, then the whole world would be, you know, people who can't see and are toothless. You know, you're not going to find life through retaliation. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Peace in itself, it's really a holistic kind of a concept. There's several dimensions to it. Um, at, the, at the very core, at the foundational level, God is a God of peace. And His whole plan of redemption, His whole plan of, of reconciling the differences between sinful humanity and Himself is an attempt to bring wholeness and shalom uh, into our lives. And Jesus uh, modeled this peacemaking for us. The Old Testament prophecy of what God's Messiah would do, in part, was uh, the Messiah was described as the Prince of Peace. And um, as we look at Jesus' life, there are several things that are evident that would lead us to believe that Jesus models how to be a peacemaker for us. If you look in uh, Luke uh, chapter 2, when um, these are the, the birth narratives of Jesus, when Jesus was born, Luke 2.14, the announcement that Jesus was born uh, to the shepherds went like this, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus is a bringer of, of peace. You know, if you flip over a page or so in uh, Luke to chapter 4, when Jesus was beginning his ministry and he returned to his hometown, uh, Luke records for us that Jesus was, uh, he was teaching in his hometown synagogue, and they handed him the scroll, and he unrolled the scroll to the book of Isaiah, and, and he says, this is what he says, um, he read, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, he gave it back, and he says to everybody in the synagogue, he said, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Well, what did he just say? He just said, I'm a bringer of peace. When I come, my ministry is going to um, proclaim good news to people. I'm going to proclaim freedom for people. I'm going to help people see. People who are blind are now going to have sight, and those who are oppressed are going to be set free. Those are things that are built into that that dimensional uh, quality of, of the Hebrew word shalom, of building health and fullness and hope into people's lives. And that's what Jesus came to do. 
we read in the gospel accounts, I mean, Jesus traveled around, and he was bringing this healing and, and wholeness to everybody that he came in contact with. He was casting out demons, uh, giving sight to the blind. He was forgiving people's sins. He was really giving people a new lease on life. He was instilling them with this concept of shalom. Well, it goes on. If you go over to uh, uh, the gospel of, of Mark, uh, in uh, chapter 4, verse 39 or so, in, in that section right there, Jesus is on the boat with his disciples, and and a storm brews up, and there's wind, and there are wave, and waves, and the disciples are freaked out. They think they're going to die, and what does Jesus say to the storm is quiet, peace, be still. It's not just a people. Jesus is bringing an air of shalom into the whole created order. One chapter over in, in the gospel of, of Mark, uh, there was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus and his disciples were coming by, and, and there's a pretty thick crowd. And this woman had faith that if she just touched Jesus' cloak, that she would be healed. I don't, I don't have to talk to him. I don't have to bother with him. He doesn't even have to stop and help me. But if I, if, if I just touch his cloak, I know that I will be healed. And so she squeezes her way, works her way through that crowd, and, and she reaches out and, and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And immediately, it says that, that Jesus felt power go out of him. And so Jesus turns around, and you know, thick crowd, and he says, who touched me? I can imagine his disciples like, hello, everybody touched you, we're in a crowd. But Jesus knew that somebody who needed healing and wholeness in their life had reached out and touched him, and he searched her out, who touched me? He made contact with her, and he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, is what he says. Go in wellness. Go in wholeness. You have been restored. Your faith has healed you. And over in the Gospel of John, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he's going to be crucified, and buried, and, and then raised to new life. And, and then eventually, uh, when he ascends up to the Father, he, he's trying to prep his disciples and get them ready. Hey, this is, this is going to happen, but I want to leave something with you. John 14, verse 27, my peace I leave with you, so that you can still have this fullness of life, this well-being, even after I'm gone. See, through Christ, we can have peace with God. Uh, Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, this is the verse that we had on, on the screen a little bit earlier, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Ephesians chapter 2. I'll read it for you. You might want to jot it down. Ephesians 2. It's in your core guide. So if you have your core guide, it's one of the devotionals for this week. You read this passage. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its command and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. See, what Paul is saying is, Jesus is our peace. And through Jesus, we have the opportunity to be at peace with God. Paul doesn't say that Jesus simply gives us peace. Paul says, he doesn't just give you peace, Jesus is your peace, because we can have right relationship with God through Him. So part of this holistic nature of, of um, peace is, is that we have peace with God through Jesus. But it also means that we are able to have peace within, within ourselves. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Sometimes it's a challenge for us to find peace within, within ourselves. We don't know, and sometimes we don't trust that what God has for us is better than the things that we're holding on to. We've, we've grown used to our situation. I know how to deal with my set of circumstances right now, and and peace would require me to change a little bit, and I don't know and I don't trust that what God would have over here would make me feel any better than, than the way I'm dealing with my situation right now. Um, th- there's a good example of this uh, in John chapter 5. It, it's a story of a guy who is uh, he's ill, he's been disabled for 38 years. And uh, let me just read it to you. John 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed, says Jesus. Well, of course, right? That's why the guy is sitting there, so that he could get into this pool and and be healed. But Jesus asks him the question, do you want to be healed? It goes on, the the guy doesn't answer Jesus' question with a yes, I want to be healed. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He's sitting at the edge of the pool, right? Don't you just roll over, splash, 38 years worth of sitting by this pool, 
He's grown accustomed to his particular situation. And Jesus says, do you actually want to get healed? And the guy makes an excuse. I have nobody to help me. See, Jesus is touching, Jesus is touching on an issue in this guy. He sees the real issue as whether or not he truly wants to be healed or if he's just grown complacent and he's used to the situation that he has. He knows how to deal with it. He knows the people who come and assemble at the pool. He knows the people who, who walk by. He knows those who are going to donate to his cause and, and help him live. He knows those people who are going to help him get to and from home and feed him. He's got it all figured out. I've been in this routine for 38 years. And if Jesus, or if, if I were to be healed by rolling over into this pool, well, my life would have to change. I may have to find a job. I, I, you know, I'd have to move around on my own. And, and I don't know. That scares me just a little bit to imagine that kind of a change. I, I counsel people quite frequently who come in and they have a burden, they have a problem. Uh, sometimes it's financial in nature, sometimes it's relational in nature, and a lot of times my first question is, do you really want help? Or, or do you just want to dialogue it, about it for a while and you'll leave here with a maybe a verse and a prayer, and you feel just a little bit better about yourself for a bit, but you have, you, you, do you really want to do the hard work of, of actually making change for the better in your life? And a lot of times, the answer is no. I don't want help. I don't want lasting help. I don't want to make changes in my life for the better. I just am comfortable where I'm at, but I want to feel better about myself right now. Maybe that's what Jesus is getting at with, with this guy right here. Jesus asks you that same question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want peace in your life? Sometimes we don't want to change. So sometimes for us, the answer back to Jesus is, no, I'm not quite ready yet. You're, you may ask me to take it one step further than I'm willing to go here. See, peace comes at a cost. We can't bring peace into our own lives. We can't stumble upon it on our own. We need Jesus to heal us. We need Jesus to be the peace bringer, the peacemaker in our life. We need Jesus to be the one who makes us whole. It's hard to make peace beyond ourselves when there's this turmoil that going on within ourselves. If, if we don't have peace with, with God, if we don't have peace within ourselves, then it's going to be difficult for us to find in, in our being the ability to have peace with, with other people, lasting peace. So, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says to live in peace with each other. Because Christ will come and rule in your heart, that will give you the ability to live at peace, in peace, with other people. It's a social peace in our relationships, in our families, in our churches, in our workplaces, in our communities. Um, 
Eugene Peterson, I like how he translates the first part of, of our beatitude. It says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. So when we have peace with God and, and we have peace within ourselves, then we are then in a position where we can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. So I guess the, the question it boils down to is this. How do you make peace? How do you, how do you make peace? There's a connection if you flip back over to Matthew uh, chapter 5. If you, if you look for interpretive clues within the words of Jesus, if you read the entirety of, of the Sermon on the Mount, the, there are several places where Jesus will talk about how to reconcile, how to restore relationship. But there's, there's one correlation that I wanted to draw your attention to. So our verse says in, first, in uh, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And then if you flip over uh, or scroll down to verse 43, could be, it's arguable here, could be the hardest words that we're called to uh, to do in the whole Bible. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Uh, that's what the world teaches us, right? Love your neighbor, love those who are close to you, love your family, but your enemies out there, you, you have the right to hate them. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Verse 45. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. See that verse 45 there? Very similar to the second part of our beatitude, which says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Verse 45, loving enemies, praying for people who persecute you. Why? So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. There's a connection between verse 9 and verse 45 here. And so there's three things that I want to leave you with today on how do you make peace. The first one is pray. Pray. Verse 44, pray for those who persecute you. Over in the next chapter, in chapter 6, Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I would say, I would encourage you to pray for those who are eating your lunch by praying the Lord's prayer over them. Pray every phrase of the Lord's Prayer in the context of the one who's persecuting you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name in so-and-so's life. Will your kingdom come in their existence? Will your will be done in their life on earth as it is in heaven? Give this person today their daily bread. Forgive their debts as you have forgiven ours. 
Lead them not into temptation, but, but deliver them from the evil one. See, if you pray that prayer long enough for those who are your enemies, for those who are persecuting you, it, it may not change that person, but it will certainly change how you view that person. Because you can't pray a prayer like that without having some heart change in yourself. So the first thing on how to make peace is to pray. The second thing is you have to go into places of conflict to make peace. Uh, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he, he's assuming one very large thing. And, and that is that we will find ourselves in relationships, in communities, we will find ourselves in a culture that's adversarial, uh, where there's conflict that goes on all around us, there's differences of opinion, or there's differences in values, there's differences in lifestyle, there's different differences in political leanings, there's differences in religious belief, there's all sorts of, of this and that that we talked about earlier that, that cause us to to draw a dividing line between people. Jesus assumes that we will find ourselves in places where there is conflict. So he also assumes that we'll have the opportunity to step into that and, and be peacemakers. Pe peacemaking is at least in part uh, acts of love that we practice to overcome this hostility, to overcome the resentment, to overcome the hate that oftentimes colors the relationships that we're in. Notice the movement that Jesus encourages. It's not a step back and wait for other people to come ask for forgiveness, to come to us and say, you know what, I'm really sorry. Can we be reconciled? It's not, it's not that step back. Jesus is there in, in this, and he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who are persecuting you. It's not a step back, it's, it's stepping into it. Step into the area where there's conflict and brokenness and try to make amends and peace and be the reconciler by stepping into it. It's counterintuitive. It's not the normal reaction that we would have as humans. We, we like to take the step back and away from conflict, but, but Jesus says, no, you've you got to move closer in. If it's an enemy, he's not saying you have to be buddy-buddy close to the people. But, but it's not crossing the street and walking down the other side when, when you see them coming. It's not when... It's not, uh, you know, turning your head when you drive by them on the road. It's, it's a smile, it's a wave, it's a hello, it's a friendly greeting. It's something, something to signal that you're willing to bring the barrier down and encourage dialogue and contact. It's a good example in Luke 10. Jesus tells the parable of what we, we call the Good Samaritan. The guy was beat up, left on the roadside, and uh, the district superintendent walked by and didn't help the guy. The pastor of the local church crossed the street and went down the other side, but it was the undocumented uh, immigrant who stopped to help. Well, I was close to how it goes. That's a loose translation. The Samaritan was helped by somebody that you, that you would not expect. 
somebody who maybe feels marginalized or persecuted, they stop to help the person that was unlovable. It's Jew versus Good Samaritan, so they were diametrically opposed at their core, all the way back in the history of their peoples. Samaritan stopped to help the Jew to love the unlovable, to, to, to be willing to bring down the barrier and enter into dialogue and to help. Martin Luther King Jr., he understood the heart of this beatitude. He says, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. We never get rid of an enemy by meeting hate with hate. We get rid of an enemy by getting rid of enmity or hostility or animosity. By its very nature, hate destroys and tears down. By its very nature, love creates and builds up. And this week I was reading a, a book, James Howells, the author. He said, love is the reason violence cannot deliver the peace that it promises. See, peacemakers seek to overcome evil with good. Peacemakers respond to hate with love. They seek to establish the, the peace of God in the middle of a world of anger and, and hate and, and malice. So the second thing to do in how to make peace is to go into places of conflict, bringing the love of God. And the third thing, as we finish up, is Simply to trust God for the results. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You can't force real peace, it's a gift from God. Peacemaking seeks harmony. Jesus wants us to work towards it and for it in our relationship. It, it attempts reconciliation between people. Sometimes it works, sometimes not so much. Sometimes people will be unwilling to bend from their position, and they will just assume that because you hold a different opinion that you automatically hate them, and you can spend a lifetime trying to bring that wall down, but sometimes people won't respond. But Jesus says, blessed are you if you try. Blessed are you if you inject the love of God into that situation. Blessed are you if you look at this person with the eyes of God. And for all of this, the promise of the blessing is to be called children of God. Because being a peacemaker is engaging in the activity of God in this world. Jesus was telling his audience, the Jewish audience, they already viewed themselves as the children of God. But Jesus says, be a peacemaker. Step into your inheritance. Claim, claim your title as children of God by being God in the world. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children, called children of God. See, Jesus left a legacy of peace. And part of leaving the legacy of peace for us is that we are God's ambassadors in the world and we are called to leave the same legacy. 
the legacy of blessing of peace wherever we go in all of our relationships. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. It's time to step into it, leave a legacy of peace. Would you stand for prayer?